0: very much. Welcome to the Boys of Tech Episode 7. I'm Edwin Herman and introducing the other host of the show, Brett King. Welcome. Howdy. How you going? Good, good. It's good to have you on again, Brett. Um It's, it's good to be here as always. Look, I want to just kick off talking about YouTube's deal with Universal. Basically, there's uh, rumours are out that YouTube and Universal are going to strike a deal which could produce a music video site which according to to the to the rumors would be bigger than itunes it's pretty impressive well i i can see this this could work uh, people are addicted to youtube and you know the little bit at the top uh on the youtube homepage that shows you what other people are watching a lot of those mm-hmm. probably two out of every set of five uh, are music videos yeah music videos yeah well, i think this thing could could really work and what's i think
1: this thing could really work as well
0: I find it quite interesting, though. However, that people are actually watching these music videos on YouTube rather than iTunes because you think music, you think iTunes, but not not for video. No, you think music video YouTube. You, so this could exactly be, the apparent name that this thing is going to have is rather interesting. Vivo. Vivo. Mm, how spelt? V E V O. Apparently. Interesting. These are all uh, rumors, of course. So nothing could actually ever eventuate. You know how things are, but. Uh, you know, if it's true, um, the, the name's interesting. It, it's it's kind of uh, catchy. It is. It is. Um, yeah. Wonder where it came from. Sounds a bit like the social networking site Bebo. Yeah. 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 You know, it
1: also reminds me of the old video format, which was also called VIVO, except with an I.
0: All right. What was that format for? Digital huh? uh,
1: streaming. Di- streaming video and audio.
0: All right. Must have been asleep that didn 't last very long
1: <laughs> I think it is one of the one of those ex, now ex, well and truly extinct formats
0: there 's a few of those around Yeah, there are indeed well, apparently that uh, universal executives uh, last year said the label sees revenue in the tens of millions from youtube they 've got the uh, Universal have their own channel on YouTube. And,
1: yeah, most of the um, different, most of the big labels have their own channels on on YouTube where they put up their um, music videos from their latest and greatest artists. So it's quite popular already. And, and but now a, they're going to no, they're going to charge for it. So we'll, we'll I, see how that goes. Well, the, yeah.
0: that will be interesting because now that it's being charged for. But of course, you know, you may get free previews like you do with <laughs> iTunes. And I actually think that's not a bad uh, bad model uh, putting new stuff out there so people get a taste of it and decide, well, look, you know, this is really good.
1: And they could always do the whole, the, on the free side, you have the low res versions of the music videos that you can watch whenever you want. But if you sign up to the the online video store thing, you can see the high definition version of it. You can get access to back catalog stuff. That sort of thing is what I think would be bringing more of that, um, more of the audience in to actually sign up to something like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: that could really work. And that's better mm. than just a 30 second clip where you don't, like we talked about this a while ago uh, in respect to, uh, to to music and, you know, the mm. 30 second clip really doesn't give you a good representation of what you're getting and I gave the example where I bought this track which the 30 second clip was about the only 30 seconds that was any good and the rest of it was just um, sort of rubbish and, and whatnot. So, mm. so that, that would be good. A low, A low bit rate for free and the high-res, you know, version for, you know, for whatever the, the, the cost is. Yeah, yeah. What's the bit? Yeah. It, I, I was just going to say, what's the bit? It'll be only available in the U.S.
1: Uh, ah, yeah, Exactly. That's the other thing is one of the things I've found is depending on the, the music um, label, what, which labels channel you're going to. Some of the music videos that they've got up <laughs> are from their artists aren't available for viewing down here in the in poor lowly New Zealand. They are only available to view from the US and Canada. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> US and Canada and even Europe has to wait for stuff as well and and that's a huge um, in fact the the European market's uh, Apparently bigger than the US and Canada, but and they still have to wait. Indeed, they still have to yeah, wait. Yeah, so. it, it's
1: ridiculous. It's it's stupid. It's the internet. It is international, global. <laughs> Stop yeah. putting things in silly little zones and silly little geographic regions.
0: <laughs> That's like DVD zoning. That's so frustrating. It, exactly. What's it's the point? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Wait, come on, who came up with that? <laughs>
1: People who have not changed with the global times. You've got to wonder
0: what sort of world these people live in and you know, where they're living in. They it, lived 20 years ago. Well, that's what they yeah, think. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> hey, another story here, uh, which I was wondering when this was kind of story was going to come out, is uh, a judge has ordered a defendant to decrypt his encrypted laptop. So they were looking for stuff and... Uh, the, they wanted to access a particular drive and couldn't because it was encrypted. Under law, he is now required to decrypt it or at least provide the passphrase to decrypt it. And I was wondering when these stories were going to come up and here we have it.
1: Indeed, indeed. It's an interesting in this particular case of how this is a a judge reversing a previous order, which had said that, no, they couldn't ask him for it because it was covered under the Fifth Amendment, which is the amendment which states that you cannot be forced to incriminate yourself. But this judge has overturned that and is now putting out an an order to... have him provide the password. So it's really quite interesting.
0: I I saw that and I wondered, and I haven't been able to work this out yet, whether the newer ruling is since the law change that requires people to be. It's really interesting. Um,
1: I was reading the comments um, on the the news article that you pointed out um, in preparation and there's a lot of interesting discussion in there about the the goings on in the justice system in America in that there are all of these new seizure laws that the customs officer and the um, Department of Homeland Security have where they can just take your MP3 player, your laptop, your Um, electronic device from you for no reason um, and keep it indefinitely at the borders. And this is where this person was nabbed. Yeah. And how those are, those new laws are themselves unconstitutional, uh, breaking the, the, the fourth amendment right of American citizens. It's really interesting to see the, the, um, I guess the, the duality of the American justice system. They've got all of these laws which break the constitutional rights of their citizens, but then they have the constitutional rights, which are also laws. So <laughs> it's, it's quite interesting. It's as if the people who are writing the new laws are completely... Disregarding the um, constitutional rights.
0: Maybe they don't know they even exist. <laughs> that sort of, well, yeah, indeed, indeed.
1: Well, it does make you wonder perhaps the people who are writing the new laws went through the American education system, which we've all heard is pretty crap.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it will be interesting to see what happens because uh, not just in this case, but to see whether other countries take on a similar. Um, viewpoint. I, I think uh, countries... I think
1: well, you know, most countries have something within their law, um, within their legal system to, to cover the you know, getting things from somebody so that they can continue searching for you know, incriminating evidence or you know, or be able to not find it. One of the comments in the article was talking about the United Kingdoms Act, which I believe has the uh, unfortunate acronym of the ripper the ripa and it is the same thing it is the forcing of a suspect to reveal something to hand over a key to to uh hand over the combination to a safe that sort of thing and then transferring that across to this the new technology where things can be encrypted with a key a a pass key which is really something ephemeral that just happens to be in your head and one of the other things I thought was interesting which would be interesting to hear your take on was something else that was mentioned in that of a previous case of in this same line of a defendant ordered to um, provide the password to a encrypted archive and the person's defense was uh, they've forgotten the password and apparently in that case they got off
0: is that right? Mm. well it raises the question if you're going to write these laws you know, you do get people who forget passwords. It's just not humanly possible for everybody oh, to remember every password. So sure Exactly. You, I forget mine they, all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, help desks know this, don't they? But, yes. So you got to write these laws. If you're going to write these draconian laws, you kind of would think you need to cater for the, pe- the genuine people who do forget their passwords. The hard thing, of course, is if you do want such a draconian law and you're going to say, well... Forgetting your password is a defense, of course, it means that anyone can just claim they've forgotten it because no one can really prove that. So, exactly, you've got to ask yourself do you want this law in the first place or not? Maybe you don't have these laws. Yeah, actually, you know, the the, uh, UK is actually worse than the US in terms of their draconian laws and what do you call it? You know, uh, security cameras and surveillance sets, yeah. They, they are yeah, a of the lot surveillance
1: worth. of society. Yes, hey. <laughs> number one, Big Brother is definitely watching you when you're walking around in <laughs> in London.
0: I guess they can always, you know, what they say is, well, if you, you know, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to worry about. But um, that doesn't necessarily, uh, that doesn't really fly with me.
1: Oh, indeed, it's a poor man's argument. One of the. Uh, you should really go through the comments for the that particular news article there's some really interesting ones in there because there was a person who had that exact same – brought up that exact same thing. If you've got nothing to hide, why are you trying to hide something? Just, you know, if you've got nothing to hide, give up your password. And <laughs> there were so many comments after that, as you'd expect, yeah, I can of see them, people man. refuting that, yeah. going, well – if you've got nothing to hide, <laughs> what's your name and your address and your social security number? Because if exactly, you've got no, yeah. you know, you don't if you've got nothing to hide, you can give that to
0: exactly. Me. And of course, the other thing is you can put to these people who argue this is well. Do you mind if the police could just waltz through your stuff any time of the day they want? How about they come around yeah. now and they'd do a quick search through your underwear drawer in case you have got some drugs hidden in there? Would you like that? Yeah. Exactly. Okay, yeah, you might yeah, have nothing to hide, they, but it doesn't mean you want them doing that, do you? Exactly.
1: And the, the laws are in place to stop the police from doing that, to stop the establishment from doing that. The laws are there so that they, there is a barrier to stop the abuse of the legal system, the abuse of police powers.
0: So they That's need to why be a they're there. Reason. That's
1: why privacy laws are there. It's not that I have something to hide. It's that... They don't have a right to search me whenever they feel like it for no reason.
0: (laughs) Uh, Now, if I mention Bind, we all know what we're talking about, DNS. If I mention DJBDNS, that's the second most popular DNS program, Bind, of course, being the number one. And the... Uh, Cryptographer Daniel Bernstein has always touted his DJBDNS as so secure that he's promised $1,000 as bounty to anyone who can poke holes in it. Well, that time has come and apparently there is now uh, bugs in this DJBDNS program that he's written that need fixing. Mm. Now, the implication here is that this is the second biggest, so we're talking about, well, a fair size, or having said that, I think it's a fair way behind bind, but yes. the, having said that, it is still number two, which could have a reasonably widespread implication. I remember when bind headed issues were going from uh, I think around version 8 or 9 or whatever it was and all had all sorts of security issues and I think very recently as well it had some some things that needed being patched and ISPs were you know frantically scrambling to to patch their DNS servers so this could be another mini form of that really yeah yeah
1: because it sounds like that the the problem that it's got is something that was it's it's another um Cache poisoning, but it uses the same method to poison this DNS's cache that was discovered ages ago to poison other ones, and which were patched and bind and patched in other ones. But they didn't patch it in in this particular one. DJB DNS did not patch this vulnerability.
0: You think you'd want to withdraw your thousand dollar bounty, you know, in the meantime, because if you if you know you haven't patched it, you're going to be thousand bucks out of pocket. Oh, indeed, <laughs> might be <laughs> Maybe rich, they isn't?
1: didn't think that it had
0: it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Google has basically uh, published a unblurred image of a secret British nuclear base on their Google Earth and Google Maps applications. Uh, it, what's interesting here is that uh, the military is wanting this uh, to be blurred; they're a little bit embarrassed. A spokeswoman for Britain's Ministry of Defence told The Sun that it was impossible uh, for it to control all websites providing satellite imagery and that the British military say that it could help terrorists by seeing the high-resolution pictures, although they admit there's not much they can do. If people are really determined to target these sites, they can find these images and there is nothing we can do to stop them, the spokesman said. So, in some And they're quite right. Yeah. Well, they yeah, they are. They they're At least a bit, they're realistic. I mean, come on, you know, what... what yeah. You can't really. It's probably
1: it's probably one of the most realistic and logical things I've heard come out of a government department in quite some time. <laughs>
0: yes, yes, very much so. So, just I mean, I, I was looking at this image myself. To you know, to be quite honest, though, the blurred version they, they show this on uh, Sydney Morning Herald website. There's there's a blurred version and there's the new unblurred version. To be quite honest, you can still work out that there's stuff there, and you can kind of work out the buildings anyway.
1: Yeah, you can see the buildings. They're the big white splodges exactly. instead of the green splodges. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and, and blurring it really just draws more attention to it. It does. Like, there, are, there are people out there who look at Google Earth and they'll run along Google Earth. And then when they come across a bit that's blurred, when everything else around it is high res, they know something secret's there. <laughs>
0: exactly. It's so something t- that
1: people don't want you to see is right in that location. It's not like it's going to stop people from determining where something secret is. It's like, well, having it blurred means I can really tell that something secret's there. Where if it wasn't blurred and it looks relatively generic building-wise, then I'd probably skim past it.
0: <laughs> so what you're saying is that it really has the opposite effect of blurring something amongst a sea of unblurred images is really... Attracting attention.
1: It attracts attention to your secret thing.
0: Well, they can't win then,
1: can they? It's impossible to win. With with this, you can either blur it and I'm going to know something's there. I'm going to know something secret's there because it's blurred. Or, you know, get the image pulled, in which case I'm still going to know something secret's there. I'm just not going to know what it looks like. But, you know, if I lived in the area, I might decide to go and have a look (laughs) because I can't see it on Google Earth or you could unblur it and have it regular like everything else and if your buildings are unobtrusive you know not big geodesic domes or things shaped like um Aliens and UFOs parked on a runway, then <laughs> I'm probably going to think it's just something, some regular outcropping of buildings Well,
0: I, in a regular area. I, I'm very much surprised. I, I'm very much surprised that Area 51, I don't know if you've ever had a look, is actually not blurred out at all. Hmm. Well, they so everybody don't, knows where it is. Well, well, <laughs> true, but they make every effort for people not to be able to see it uh, in in the flesh, so to speak. Uh, you know, they've taken yeah. out some, so they've basically taken over some what was public land in the uh, surrounding mountain ranges, and they've increasingly um, widened that area so that people can't climb up these huge mountain ranges and spy down. Uh, yet uh-huh. they don't seem to. They haven't requested Google blur them on the Google Earth, which does surprise me. It is a very top secret base. If you look at the signage yeah. around it, it says that uh, use of deadly force is authorised. So, that, in other words, they can shoot you on the spot if they so choose. And it, yeah. they make they make a very big deal out of out of its secrecy. Uh, yet. On Google Earth, they haven't, and that's the bit that surprises me. I mean, we know, okay, sure, we, we all know where it is, but then why would you make it so secret in 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 person? But well, it's, not on it's the, Google. Well,
1: there's the, the 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 difference between in person and Google Earth or, or any satellite imagery. The satellite goes across, takes a photo at some point in time, all right. Whereas if you have direct access to it, you can see what's happening. Constantly. Oh, so you've got to, like so a live picture. If the, yeah. yeah. If the activity that is occurring at that base has been timetabled around satellite passes. And they do. Then, yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah, they do. Then they'd hide everything when the satellites are going overhead and then bring everything back out again.
0: Yeah, actually. I so think, that's I why think they don't
1: want anybody looking real time at the base, but they're perfectly fine with it showing up on the satellite imagery because it's going to show a base that everybody knows is there and probably some generic aircraft that are left on the runway. But anything that they were working on, anything secret will either be done at night or they'll have timetables for satellite passes. Well actually I was reading up on
0: on Area 51 and I think what you've just said is the answer in fact because what they do do is the the big hangar doors close when the satellite's about to go past and then they reopen after that. So I, I think that's exactly why they do it.
1: Yep, And it's just... It. That's just what you have to do at the other bases around the world. The Brits need to wise up to making sure that they know when the satellites are going over and that they put their submarines underwater instead of having them in dock, as they
0: currently oh, well, do on that picture. The, the US, the <laughs> Google and whoever operates the satellites in the US probably won't tell them that when the satellites go. They don't want to share that with them. so. <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> indeed indeed the us is probably the absolute best at tracking objects in orbit yes that, that's true <laughs> but yes. i would have thought the british would have been up there they'd just probably drop the ball on this one
0: well yeah, yeah. that surprised me as well I or miss- it
1: is quite possible that their public presentation is, you know, we like a blurred, yada yada. But really, the reason they didn't ask for it to be blurred again is that they've accepted the fact that people are going to find it anyway. People who really want to look at it can just go and see it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's true.
1: And there are so many other satellites going over that, yeah, it's, you may as well just work around it as, as they do at Area 51.
0: An iPhone applications developer has created a Sydney commuter timetabling application for iPhone. That's great, and in fact, it's the second most popular in the travel section of the Australian Apple App Store. So, you know, what's the story behind that? That's great, isn't it? Well, Railcorp, who run the public transport system in Sydney, are threatening the developer with legal action if he fails to comply with a request to remove it. Basically, they don't want him uh, publishing Times for trains in an application on the iPhone because they want to do it because they claim they own the copyright. Yeah, it's it really to me smells a lot like
1: all these sorts of things where a a business that's or a well in this case, a public entity providing public service, commuter timetables, uh, is going, Well, we provide the timetables, we want and this guy is produced this brilliant app, which is selling quite well, we should produce something like that. And so we better cease and desist this guy out of business so that we can put ours up and take advantage of it. And they're going with the reasons of we own the copyright to the timetables and we don't want the third party doing it because... We want to be able to keep our information as up to date as possible and provide information to the consumers that is accurate from what we are, you know, what we are providing, and a third party can't do that. So,
0: well, there are two things here. I mean, first of all, that seems very much like the the recent one. What was the recent one? I think the uh, Scrabble application on Facebook. What was that called? Yep. Scrabulous. That's the one. Scrabulous. It's now called Lexulous. <laughs> oh yeah, because of what happened. But uh it seems very much like that where you'd think they would have turned around and said, "Hey, what you've done is absolutely brilliant. We like it. That's this is wonderful. Let's do a deal. Let's talk about licensing. Let's talk about whatever it is, uh buying them out, wh- wh- whatever the options are." And they're not doing that. Yeah. They're taking a very much uh, a sort of a, a 20th century approach, a bit like the music industry's mindset, of no, that's ours, go away, or we'll sue you. But on the other hand, exactly. the second thing is, isn't that fair enough? Don't they own the copyright to that sort of information? So, don't, aren't they within their rights to say, well, look, you know, you're making money with information that is essentially our intellectual property? It's oh,
1: on, yeah. Timetable information, timetable information, as, well, as copyrighted but, intellectual property. It's it, well, isn't
0: it? I mean, <laughs> think. Okay, who creates it? It's really. <laughs> I mean, who creates it? Really, it's the company, doesn't it? So, doesn't it own own that information? Yeah, but it's it's
1: it's information provided to the public. It, they're not charging for it. But it's
0: freely that, available. But does that mean that it's not copyright? I'll tell you what you can't do. You can't publish TV listings without a license for that.
1: Mm. I think that falls under the same thing
0: of, but why? <laughs> I, I know, <laughs> it does seem kind why? of weird. And some people have actually argued It's, fa- it's information provided freely to the public. Uh, people have argued the fact that, look, this is but fact. I, this is, you know, the fact that a train will be going from A to B at this time can't be copyrighted exactly because you cannot copyright facts facts are not intellectual property but on the that's that's what they say on the other hand you could kind of i think it's a gray area because you could also argue that well it's only fact when it happens the the fact that you are suggesting it's going to happen that at such and such time train will go from a to b you only got that because the rail company has published a statement saying we intend to run train a to be at such and such time. So, therefore, it's not really fact at that point, is it? But once again, it is the the
1: company has published that information to the public. Well, uh, how is that How is that different from me ringing up and finding out when a movie is and then telling you? Theoretically, I'm breaching copyright then, aren't I? Because I'm passing all that information to you. <laughs> I've the- I've looked at the train timetable and I've rung you up and said, the next train's at 3.30. We better get there together.
0: <laughs> the police I are I waiting for you as soon as you get off the phone.
1: <laughs> <there>? <laughs> because I, I'm broadcasting to you this information that they own copyright on.
0: <laughs> well, when you put it that way, it does seem rather silly and nonsensical. It's It's a nonsensical set of information to... To, to copyright, it just seems bizarre. Well, I don't because know how, how they get away with, with it. it. I don't know how they get away with TV listings because I think people have tried. I think people have been uh, challenged on that one. Although, having said that, I don't know whether that's gone to court or whether that's the the person who's uh, allegedly broken the copyright by publishing the TV listings, just backing down because they're scared of being taken to court. I'm not really sure. But I, I, I think,
1: but I know that people have. Been I really pressured. think most of the time it will be. The person backing down because they 've gotten scared off, and so nothing 's actually gotten to go to court to be challenged this is the sort of information you 'd think how could you how could you explain it? How could you go well it 's copyright well obviously you 'd have to claim it 's copyright under certain circumstances but not under others because otherwise you know it is completely unenforceable for them to say they own copyrights to the timetable, and every time a person who's standing looking at the board of the timetable who then tells their mate that they should get here because the next train's at three thirty. that person's then breaching copyright.
0: It's, <laughs> that <does laughs> seems silly, doesn't it? <laughs> indeed. You <can> indeed. <laughs> or are you making
1: it it's copyright under certain circumstances. So it's perfectly fine well, for you to tell your mate, but it's not fine for you to tell an entire heap of people on the internet. Well that might be Well to,
0: you might be onto something here. Maybe it is Let's just assume it is copyrightable information and therefore, by telling people when a certain train is going to run that that's breaching copyright, let's just make that assumption for now. Maybe it's the case that they don't really care about you giving me a phone call and saying, hey, by the way, the train you want to be on is the the next one to Timbuktu at five o'clock. Maybe they don't really, even though that's technically breaching copyright, maybe they don't care in the same way that the recording industry, to be quite honest, I don't think really care if you copy. Uh, a cd onto a tape for your car they it's technically a a breach of copyright but they don't really really care about that what they really care about is people disseminating this information publishing this information particularly when it's done for money so maybe if we just run with this assumption it could be that the the rail uh, rail corp in new south wales only really care because he's publishing this to everybody and more importantly making a bit of money out of it too Mm. Or maybe it just could be about the money and nothing about copyright. <laughs> that might be more, <laughs> more clo- a bit closer to the truth. I don't know. Mm.
1: It's yeah, it's it's starting to get into that grey area. Information: What what should you be able to copyright? What should you be able to claim as intellectual property? And what is what's not? What can't you claim? Because as you said before, it's it's. It's, while it's not, you know, guaranteed fact, it is as close to fact as you will get for that sort of information.
0: Well, let me say this this podcast is released at midnight every Monday morning, but don't tell anyone because you're breaking copyright and we'll come after you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how silly is that? Hey, the Pope has called on ICANN to keep religion. Out of the domain name system, what's being proposed is that new top-level domain names, uh, GTLDs, generic top-level domain names, be created to cover various religions such as .Catholic, .Anglican, .Orthodox, .Hindu, etc. And the uh, Pope, the Vatican, is essentially sending out a warning saying, you don't want to go there, you don't want to bring religion into the internet space. Wise move or or just kicking up a fuss for nothing?
1: Very, very wise move. Nothing gets people's backs up against the wall more than religion. (laughs) (laughs) People have their religion and their religion is about belief and most people and faith and people hold on to their religions. But then you've got the fact that so many Different religions or different people will claim title to a name of a religion when in fact there are, you know, a dozen or more different groups all using the same name for their religion, but all practicing it in their ways. And so many of those different groups really don't get on well together. (laughs) <laughs> well, so who's gonna get, who's gonna get to have each of those domains? <laughs> who's gonna say who can and cannot have it in there? So
0: you're saying and it's going to be get, too hard to determine who gets to administer these domains?
1: It will become a horrible mess because then think of all the people out there who don't like certain other opposing religions or you know atheist groups out there who don't like any religions at all. What's going to stop them getting domain names within that generic top level d- top level domain that aren't derogatory to their top level domain?
0: Like dot satanic.
1: Well, that sort of thing. But I'm thinking more of um, a like, discriminatory second level domain connected to a top level domain.
0: Oh, I see. Like we dot hate something. Dot something.
1: Yeah, we dot hate dot Catholic.
0: Right, yeah. I see. Yeah. Well it's, can't can't this fit in the existing model though? Can't we have whoever administers dot com and dot net and all the rest of them well at least the, the generic ones, can't we have those same people administer this so it's so Catholic doesn't go off to the Vatican and Anglican doesn't get handed to, to the Church of England and whatnot? But that, then that we end up with done, exactly
1: the same situation we have now. Microsoft.sucks.com
0: <laughs> Well, aren't there ways of You're dealing just, with that anyway, and we can just build this under that umbrella I don't know it, it seems to me I, I'm in two minds I about this I
1: don't think so it is it is far too close to people it is far too too close to people's home a .com it's it's absolutely generic it's got nothing to do with anything so if I, I've i got I hate catholic .com or whatever or ThePopeSucks.com, something derogatory like that, then that's it's separated from home. Whereas if I've got a dot Catholic domain, I expect as a pub, you know, a member of the public, that if I go to something that's at a dot Catholic domain, it's Catholic. It's got some authority there.
0: Oh, I see what Same, you mean. Same as
1: I go yeah. to dot Hindu. I expect some authority there. Right. If I go to .com, I know I'm getting the cloud. I'm getting some 16-year-old pimply-faced um, boy from Arizona who really thinks <laughs> goats should rule. <laughs> <laughs> I know that that is quite possibly what I'm going to get if I go to some random thing .com. But if I go to .catholic, I'm expecting it to be, to be authoritative but so you see what a you know a, a hot potato that could be especially with some of those some of those different uh religions who have different different sects different groups would fall under that one religious title but they really do not get along with each other they are completely opposed
0: well, and you know, like you Which say, of those who's, is going who's, to be
1: authoritative around that? Yeah, you and, can't do it. it. It's it's a it's a kettle of fish. You really do not want.
0: <laughs> it is
1: something that should just be not broached at all because there is nothing good that will come out of it.
0: Well, as you say, who who's going to get one? Uh, can I start a new sect or a religious following and claim that I should now be given my top level domain name for my new religion? Who who, mm-hmm. who, who do you define? Well, what do you define as a religion? In terms of exactly, in terms of you know, is
1: it is it one of the recognised religions? Are the recognised religions um, and
0: recognised by whom?
1: Are those the only? Oh, indeed, by the UN or by 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 the UN by the US? Is it by the Registrar who's looking after that particular one? And what's to stop me from saying that I have created a new religion and it just happens to be it just happens to be Catholic? But I'm the Pope, so well, I should well, that have would my my Brett dot Catholic domain.
0: <laughs> so you're going to have a fight at the top level, at the top level, really, won't you? That's exactly that's not a good thing. <laughs>
1: It's not a kettle of fish that you want to get into. Whoa, I think the basically. Vatican has a good idea here and they should keep religion out of the domain names, out of that top level. So because we should, that top level is the authoritative level. It is the level that if you put in that, you're expecting something back from it. So we should. You put in .museum, you're expecting something about a museum to come back you put in dot catholic you're expecting something catholic
0: to come back <laughs> <laughs> well why not a how about this i'm just thinking off the top of my head what about a dot religion a dot religion would that work okay. mm. that would work Although you might have fights at the second level, so oh, you definitely have fights at the second level. Because I might want to. It'd be the cat- same thing. It'd
1: be you get the same thing as with cyber squatters with .dot coms and .dot nets.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they do say the two topics you don't talk about at work is politics and religion.
1: Exactly, politics and religion are the two things which will bring the most contention and arguments to a group of people.
0: Absolutely, I've seen that. Before, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've all seen that, really. Uh, Indeed. That's pretty much it for the international stories. So on to our single New Zealand story. Microsoft uh, are going to launch some online apps uh, in New Zealand. Prices range from $5.31 a month, right up to the the whiz-bang, all bells and whistles, $27 a month. So what are you going to buy, Brett? Which one? Or rather uh, neither.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll, um, I'll keep my Gmail because that's all I need for that email there. But what about and... Office? You
0: could, you could use Office online. You don't need your desktop anymore. Well, your software uh, on your l- desktop.
1: I like to know that when I'm sitting on the beach with my laptop, that I can still write about the fact that I'm on the beach with the laptop and not have to worry about the fact that I happen to be 100 kilometers away from the nearest access point. <laughs> I like my software to be on my computer. Call yeah, me old-fashioned.
0: Well, <laughs> no, look, I think you've got a fair point. We talk, we sort of talked about uh, this is really cloud computing, isn't it? And we talked about the, the pitfalls of cloud computing, uh, I I also wonder about the price. It just seems a little excessive. Uh, even if you did, you know, even, you know, the pitfalls aside, even if you decided, well, yeah, look, I'll, I'll go ahead. I mean, you're talking about anywhere mm. between 5 and $27 a month. And for it, what they're
1: offering, because they aren't offering the Office Suite. It is their online outlook, their online, which is their email calendar, their access to the online SharePoints so that you can see documents but it's it's not the online office it's you can then upload a document you've got if you go for the more expensive one but it's it's, it's just access to, to that SharePoint mm-hmm. service and then their um, access to which I, I must admit is quite whiz bang their um, you know teleconferencing interactive conferencing I've forgotten what it's called
0: oh, um, but yeah the meeting thing what's it called Yeah,
1: yeah, their web meeting one, which is pretty whiz-bang, but that's what you get access to. For that money. It's
0: but this is yeah. really this is really funny. Microsoft <laughs> referred to the term the deskless worker. I mean, come on. This is a little bit like the paperless office we were supposed to have twenty years ago.
1: Uh, indeed, indeed. It's the, the, the worker who can work from any computer at anywhere, anytime. The, the the problem being that most businesses would not want their employees sitting in a internet cafe and working on confidential material. <laughs> they wouldn't want that sort of stuff off in the um. cloud or Or, you know, where security of the machine itself is not under the control of the business.
0: Well, what about home users? Would this be attractive to home users? Because I actually think it's, apart from it being a little pricey, maybe it's an option for them. I can understand businesses not wanting it because they don't want their stuff out there. But what about home users who... You know, home users,
1: I think it's a little bit overkill for a lot of your home users. A lot of your home users will just are quite happy with their online email, but wouldn't need access to the SharePoint services or any of the other stuff. I do see there's quite possibly a market in that small business, that business that doesn't have the you know the 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 the, the investments to have their own IT infrastructure but might have a couple of employees. And so that online access to that calendaring system would be good. And the ability to share their stuff and have web meetings for those small sorts of businesses, that's where I think you've got a market for.
0: Right. So we're not going to see a huge uptake on this. That's the prediction, right? I don't think a huge uptake, not from any big names,
1: but... It's quite possible that it might get a, a slow and steady of the smaller businesses who don't have their own facility for providing those sorts of services.
0: Well, I guess we've concluded that that's certainly not going to get our business, but you never know. They, some of our listeners out there might be uh, interested in subscribing to that and we'll have to watch how that one goes it's particularly in, in the new zealand indeed, market i'm and, and, not quite sure how, uh, how how likely that is to work especially at the, I, I don't know but the pricing seems a little little too expensive it seems a little steep to me it does for what it is if it was the full for what it is. if it was full off it was and seamless indeed. you know maybe that yep. could fly but as you described that's really you're not getting the full shebang mm. but we'll see how it
1: goes because they they might bring out their um their Online office,
0: as part of it later on. Well, I—I I, I mean, I think anyone can probably guess that that's the, in the plan. Yeah, that's it? yeah, exactly. That's the roadmap. I'm sure it is. They do
1: seem to be heading towards that um, software as a service instead of software as a com, you know commodity, a, a fixture, can, yeah, commodity. Yeah. Seems it's the way the world's a going. A model that I like. <laughs> Maybe we I just, like to know oh. that if I bought something, <laughs> I have it. I paid for it. I would like to be able to use it forever, not until they decide that they don't want to support it
0: anymore. So if you were going for online music, would you rather buy it outright like on iTunes or would you rather have a subscription like uh, some of the others?
1: I would like to know that if I have purchased a piece of music for me to listen to, that I have it so that in 20 years – I can still listen to it if I so choose, because I paid for it, unlike the service model where in ten years when they fall over or they get bought out or whatever, and they, or they decide that they no longer want to host that music, I suddenly lose the music that I paid for.
0: The other thing I worry about is even the stuff that you have bought, uh, when it's got DRM on it, I worry that what if you know whatever your provider is, be it iTunes or someone else, goes down the gurgler I won't be able to authenticate against you know the you know for the DRM anymore. Precisely, but I guess that, that, I guess that's kind it's, of been negated by the fact that most of the online stores now are DRM free. So I guess exactly you know that's mm. um, because less
1: of a concern. DRM only hurts them and their own users. It does not hurt pirates.
0: Exactly, that's pretty much it for uh, I think this uh, episode. Brett, you're still without internet at home. I understand.
1: Yep, for another weekend, well, for another week now. (laughs) Then back at home. No, it will be not next time, but the time after, finally sitting in my room
0: (laughs) (laughs) with my PC. (laughs) PC. Boy, your withdrawal sometimes must be pretty big. Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) I've dug out one of my old laptops and installed a Diablo 2 on it. Purely because it's the only thing that will run on that particular laptop, just so I can play a
0: game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I really don't blame you. Look, I hope they get sorted out soon. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's rather frustrating when you move house and the, the in this case, Telstra Clear don't manage to get their uh, work order in, in time and mm, yeah. Oh well, it was quite frustrating. You, well, thank you very much, Brett, again for uh, hosting this uh, episode with me, episode seven. No, you're very much welcome. It's nice to have you uh, hosting this with me. So thanks again and thank you to you, all you listeners out there. Thank you very much. This wraps up Episode 7 and we'll see you again same time, same place next week for Episode 8. Bye-bye.